Buongiorno, buonasera, salve, and benvenuti to the Salento Files. I'm your host, Margot Ferracci, and this is episode five, The Luxury of Choice. Before we get stuck into that, though, some letters in our mailbag from you guys after the release of episode four. Show me the child of seven and I'll show you the state of the nation. First of all, some commentary about other cultures and what Australians consider good manners. An avid listener who goes by the initial CM and hails from the Southern Highlands says that through her long-standing relationship with Americans, she has learned that they don't teach their children to say please and thank you either. Thank you, CM. I do understand that most of them can read now, though, so perhaps please and thank you is the next step. Also had a note from someone in Canada who goes by the name of long-time listener, first-time caller, who was delighted that episode four shows we have ignited some controversy amongst the locals here. She had a suggestion for creating further controversy amongst the school mums. Perhaps, she writes, now that you have warmer weather, Mitch could start wearing his famous T-shirt, which reads on the front, Sex Instructor First Lesson Free. Sadly, dear listener, that T-shirt didn't make the cut into the 90 kilograms of baggage allowance we brought with us, but I do like the suggestion. Also had a note from a GG way down there in Victoria. She's a child protection worker and after listening to episode four, took it upon herself to send me the relevant provisions of the Victorian Child Protection Act, including the circumstances in which a child can be removed from parents in case of cruelty, highlighting the clause regarding emotional cruelty as it pertains to our treatment of Charlie and Eve. I have noted your comments, GG, and I advise that the Victorian Child Protection Act has no jurisdiction in the Salento. Keep the comments coming. I'm loving every single one. Now on with episode five, the luxury of choice. So I was out with my friend the other night. Did you hear that? I have a friend. She invited me to go out with her, her mum, her aunts, her nonna and their friends. The important thing is I have a friend, which is a major advance for our existence in the Salento. I'll talk about that in a second. First though, I want to tell you about the night we had. The occasion was International Women's Day. Last year for International Women's Day, I was in Melbourne being a banker. I attended a corporate function for over 1,000 professionals, both men and women, which celebrated the contribution made by women in the corporate sphere and in public life generally. A leading CEO announced targets for women in leadership positions at his company. We watched an informative debate between various public figures, some of whom run not-for-profit organisations directed exclusively at helping women, say single mothers or migrant women. We discussed the work still to be done in advancing women in the workplace and in senior roles, and we left with a sense of having thrashed out some pretty important issues. That's Australia and International Women's Day. Here in the Salento, the way to celebrate International Women's Day is to go out for a pizza with your girlfriends and leave your husband at home. You get one leave past a year and this is it. Count your blessings, Australian ladies. On that night, I was introduced to the local version of the Tarantella, the pizzica. A group of unshaven men and bohemian-looking women walked into the restaurant at about 9pm and started thrashing about on tambourines, piano accordions and guitars. Pretty soon we were thrashing about too. The songs were ancient and haunting and lively and they were sung in dialect, but my friend translated some for me and there were some real standouts amongst them one of which had the chorus line, there are lots of things I will do to you when your mother is not in the house. Everyone ordered a beer, just one, and a pizza, and the lasting picture I will have in my mind is of my friend's nonna, who is 85, 
clutching a handle of cold beer and happily singing along to the ribald lyrics of the traditional songs, including the chorus line yelled by the lead singer to, If you don't scull a beer, go F yourself. We all left at about 1am, Nonna included. Those Salentines really know how to party. Now you'll hear more about the position of women in the Salento as time passes, as well as relationships between men and women. I have emerging theories on both. But the big point here is that I have a friend. Friendship really matters to me. It's sufficiently critical to our being that great thinkers have set down their own thoughts on the matter. Indeed, it was Aristotle who said, Without friends, no one would choose to live, though he had all other goods. And of course the Spice Girls said, If you want to be my lover, you've got to get with my friends. Make it last forever. Friendship never ends. Hear, hear. Friends make our lives easier. What you give to each other by way of laughter, support, insight, company, patience, honesty, dedication and seeing through challenges should ultimately mean that each friend's life is better for having the friendship in it. I've always thought that the way friendships work is almost too good to be true. You have the infinite luxury of choosing your friends. I still find that hard to believe. I mean the luck of it. In so many other parts of life, we're surrounded by groups of people that we don't choose, but we have to find a way to get along with them. Our families, the kids we go to school with when we're young, and in adulthood, the people we interact with at work. We might have nothing else in common with these people other than a similar course of study or a shared workplace. It's tricky and can lead to lots of unwanted drama, as every soap opera you've ever watched will demonstrate. But with friends, it's different. With friends, you decide. It's an indulgence I have never taken for granted. There is so much in life that we can't control, and I always say, control the controllables. Here, that means if you get a choice, use it wisely. As a result, I have outstanding friends who have brought immeasurable happiness to my life. I always think of that crowded house lyric when I consider some of my best friends. You've seen me at my worst, and it won't be the last time I'm down there. And Mitch is in the same boat. He's got excellent friends. Scoundrels, a lot of them, and I thank many of them for being faithful listeners to the Salento Files. But besides all that, they care about Mitch and want the best for us. We're surrounded by great mates, and I've always valued that. But for three months here, we've had no friends, and it's been something of a struggle making new friends, quite frankly. I've lived in eight different places in my life, and I've had to make new friends a lot. But I actually can't remember ever moving somewhere and not having one single person to call, a friend of a friend at least, or not knowing where to go to make friends. Sport has always been the best way for me to make friends, but that's no way for a woman to make friends in the Salento. And then, of course, there's the language thing. Now, we did want an escape from outside influences this year. We knew we would be isolated and we chose this. So in a way, we really got what we asked for. And for Mitch and I to have only each other for adult conversation has been wonderful and refreshing in many ways. I thought we may not make any friends this year, and I knew that would be a challenge, but I was kind of okay with it. I did, though, promise myself I would jump at every opportunity to meet new people and experience their way of life. And if friendships happen to be formed, then that would be a bonus. In the first week of school term, Sister Rosanna from the school offered me a spot in the school's gospel choir. That lady knows a contralto when she hears one, and it seems the ladies of the Salento mostly don't get below a mezzo-soprano. My ultra-low voice was required, she said. She showed me pictures of last year's gospel choir concert. 
All members, male, female, boy and girl, were decked out in floor-length purpose-made silk tunics. That was enough for me. I jumped into the choir, lower octaves at the ready. Now, I would never be in a choir in Australia. wouldn't know where to start. But I love music, and I also thought the kids might be into it. It became immediately apparent that the other chorists share the same broad demographics as me. Women around my age, with kids at the same school who are around the same age as my kids. So I started thinking I might make some friends there as well. How naive I was. What I didn't bank on is the couple of reasons that this is not a great place for me to be making friends. You see, I'm the resident freak in the choir for the following reasons. Firstly, I'm new. Everyone else has known each other since Dante wrote The Inferno. Naturally, they'll gravitate towards each other. Secondly, the language barrier. People are nervous to talk to me. You can see it when they try. You take a risk when you communicate in public with someone who has less proficiency. It could get embarrassing. Some attempts were made early on with mixed success, and the polite attempts quickly dropped away. I think I really just fall into the too hard basket when it comes to chit-chat at the choir. There are, of course, two other possible reasons why no one talks to me, which might be linked, being one, they all hate me because two, I am a horrible person. Possible, but I'm choosing to ignore this possibility until I have further evidence. So I've been going to choir every Saturday at 4pm and getting ignored. I've tried really hard to be friendly. I say hello and comment on the weather, but I get nothing in return and I can understand why. I've also been teaching English. I offered my services to the school back in early January. No teaching experience, but heaps of talking experience, I thought, so I should do the right thing and give something back to the nuns who have been so generous in taking our Australian waifs and strays into their school. The lead teacher is an Italian woman, Cecilia, whose English is excellent and not just by Salento standards. Coincidentally, she's also the director of the Gospel Choir. She's not one of the ones who ignores me. She's too busy as director trying to pull the team together. So we've been running into each other a fair bit. Cecilia is 28, lives with her parents and has a boyfriend. She seemed quite nice, welcoming, even a bit fun. We had to have a few conversations by email in between English classes to organise ourselves. Sensing opportunity, I took a risk. In one of those emails, I suggested it might be nice to go for a drink after lessons. Of course, I feared personal rejection, so I framed my request in terms of us both furthering our linguistic abilities. I said we could use the time to talk both in Italian and English, and thereby improve. Now, it's a long time since I've felt so awkward socially. Hard to know what the protocols are for making friends in the Salento, and she might have heaps of friends already that she can't keep up with. Cultures are different, and every day brings new realisations about some faux pas we've made in bringing an Australian approach to Salento daily life. And the first impression she had of me back when we first met would have been of a bumbling Australian, perhaps a kind of lingual Mr Bean. So I wasn't really putting my best foot forward in terms of being her friend. What happened was it was the first day of choir practice and we were walking into the hall. Sister Rosanna was fiddling around in her habit looking for the key to the door. To a lakiava, do you have the key? I asked. Sister looked up and eyeballed me for what seemed like a long time, at least a couple of Hail Marys, then went back to key searching, promptly finding the key and opening the door. Cecilia, who had never seen me before, came to me grinning and whispered. She said, Chiave means the key. Chiava is to... And she proceeded to use the verb that starts with F and ends with K and isn't firetruck and if said out loud in this podcast will lose me my clean rating from iTunes. 
So not only had she taken the liberty of correcting me, a stranger, she had also said the F word and thought the whole thing pretty funny. I thought I might like her. So back to my email some weeks after the Kiave incident and my attempt at friendship. She replied saying she'd love to have a drink after lessons. What a relief. So we did. It was 6.30pm by the time we got to the bar and she was astonished that I would be having a glass of wine. Don't you get dizzy? She asked. Well, some would say that's kind of the point. And I was equally amazed at her typical Italian habit of chucking down a couple of espressos. How do you sleep at night? I asked, which I had to word very carefully so as to ensure that she knew this question was referring to caffeine and wasn't a challenge on her morals. We had a great chat. I asked her lots of things about being her generation and living in the Salento. Interestingly, her dad, who is now retired, was a carabinieri. They're the ones who do a bit of traffic work and walk around the local communes doing lighter policing duties. Naturally, the relevant ministry has found it necessary to equip them with massive guns and military-style uniforms complete with golden epaulets. She's moved all over Italy while growing up, she said, because that's what you have to do when you're a carabinieri. Her dad is actually from Otranto, but wasn't posted back here until the end of his career. You see, as a new carabinieri, you're posted to somewhere far, far away from your home. Now you know why, don't you, dear listener? It is so you are not tempted with bribes and corruption by people who know you. Sounds ridiculous, I know, and would be easy to get high and mighty about those corrupt Italians and their heinous way of conducting business. But the way I see it is that in any country, what gets taken advantage of gets regulated. The Italians think it extremely strange, for example, that in Australia you would need to have laws about who can buy alcohol and limits on taking alcohol into sporting events. As it stands in Italy, Charlie could go in and buy five six-packs without everyone, anyone asking for ID. Anyway, I dropped Chile home to her apartment block later. Her parting words were, Now you can see our surname on the doorbell at the door. Just come in any time and we will help you. It's like this in Italy. And she meant it. Since then, Cecilia and I have expanded our working relationship to a few new English classes for adults. She's had meals in our home. She's a natural with kids and Charlie and Evie love her. She's come to doctor's appointments for Charlie and taken the stress out of translation for me. And when I asked her for that favour, she said, I'm so glad you asked me. That makes me feel like you trust me. She's a bit of a marvel, actually. She's fluent not only in Italian and English, but also in modern and ancient Greek. When I ask her about a word in Italian, she gives me the Greek origin and the history, which could be really frustrating for others, but I am totally up for a bit of linguistic education. Cecilia is currently in the middle of a tilt at the local council elections. I'm loving seeing her name plastered all over the Alianza per Otranto, Otranto Alliance posters. I'm wondering, though, if election to council could alter her very Salento ways. For example, I was with her in the car the other day and I couldn't find anywhere to park. She pointed to a space in front of somebody's private garage. I said, that's not a park. She said, yes, it is. She pressed the hazard lights to the on position on my dashboard. As the hazard lights clicked on and flashed, she said, you just press that and that means you can park. You have to take a chance when you're trying to make new friends. It's humbling and risky. It's worked out very well with Cecilia and we surely do make each other's lives easier. But it didn't work out so well with other chances I have taken. I heard that there was another Australian in town. It was a while ago now, probably only a month into our stay here. She had a sign up in a bar advertising English lessons with her number on it, so I decided to give her a call. We met up for a coffee. 
In the first few seconds, I felt myself relax into talking without effort and thought how lovely that was. Then, once we got past the salutations and into the where are you from in Australia type questions, she let go the first of what was a series of what I will describe, hopefully diplomatically, as quotable quotes. I said I was from Swan Hill originally in country Victoria. She said, and I quote, I knew straight away you were from the country. I could tell by the country twang in your accent. For the record, she's from Newcastle and not even the beachy bit. I've had every bit of my twang and I'm comfortable with it. I'm not sure, though, referring to a person's accent is the type of line any Australian friend of mine would open with. Determined to see the best of her and to make a friend, I quickly moved on. Thought she might have been a bit nervous and sometimes people say silly things when they're nervous. Sadly, things didn't improve, and with every opinion she uttered, I realised that to follow this friendship through would be to compound my original folly of having made contact in the first place. I don't need to go into the details, except to say that everything she told me about every person in town was negative, and that her view seemed to be that all locals, including the nuns teaching my children, are dishonest. Perhaps she's right, but I'm happy to discover that for myself. Turns out that having a language and a nationality in common doesn't necessarily lead to admiration and support of a person. I always use that argument to avoid barracking for Leighton Hewitt, and it remains true now. But the second great friend I've made is Monica. I liked her instantly. We met in a park, in winter. Her son, Andrea, played with Charlie and Eve without a common language for about an hour, and by the end of it, the three of them were wrestling on the ground while she read the paper and took no notice. All of these things are completely unheard of in these parts. I said hello to her. She nodded towards Eve, who by this stage had gone off to climb a tree on her own while pretending to be a baby bear, and she said in Italian, "'He's a very independent little boy, isn't he?' We got past that once I pointed out our foreign status, and that in Australia... A chin-length bob is pretty normal on a girl. And away we went. Turns out Andrea is two weeks older than Charlie and the family moved down here from Treviso, near Venice, which is an economic powerhouse of the north, two years ago for a sea change. Monica and I now meet every week for English lessons. In my infantile Italian and her educated Venetian lilted parlance, we talk about all kinds of things that no one else in the Salento seems to want to talk about. As well as being openly anti-religion in a place where there are statues of the Madonna in people's front windows, she has strong views on Monty's economic rationalism, broadly supportive, but what are we doing for the next generation who need jobs? Education, if Andrea wants to go to university, it can't be in the South. And really, all the things I care about and have been dying to talk to someone about. And she's been on four-wheel driving holidays to Libya. There's a lot to like about Monica. friends do make our lives easier. We help each other. I hate asking for help and and traditionally pretty bad at it. There's a very strong wasp kind of mentality instilled in me that you shouldn't put other people out. But somehow I find it easier here. Perhaps out of necessity, but also because things are just done differently. Friendships progress faster here because people are more open and so ready to have you in their homes. They share whatever they have, even if it isn't much. And they ask things of you, so I feel much more comfortable asking things of them. We're three months into our 12-month stay, and given the effort it takes to get to know someone and given the amount of guests we've got coming in the next few months, two friends might be enough for me. I've got people who interest me, who I can share both their and our lives with and who we can laugh with, 
and I want most of my energy to be directed towards my family anyway. I reckon I've used my luxury of choice very wisely here. I'm happy to be judged on the people I call friends generally, and it's no different here in the Salento. So I probably won't make any further efforts to enlist new friends. It's like what Seinfeld said about when you've got enough friends. You're not interviewing, you're not looking at any new people, you're not interested in seeing any new applications, and if someone approaches you, you have to say, I'm sure you're a very nice person, you seem to have a lot of potential, but we're just not hiring right now. And that will probably make the ladies in the gospel choir very relieved. See you in two weeks. (laughs) 